Ladies and gentlemen, from Colonial Heights, Virginia, and all seasons tabletop studio, it's uh, the Undiluted Truth with Mike and Ben. Today's episode: irrefutable facts about snake venom and uh, the spike protein. Do not forget to like, subscribe, and share. Our podcast email is theundilutedtruth.podcast at gmail.com. Are you on your best behavior? Oh, yes, sir. Always appropriate as your tumbling rocks. Welcome once again, everybody, to The Undiluted Truth. I am Ben. And without any further delay, let's go ahead and uh, welcome in our host, Mike. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I am, I'm doing great, too. Oh, yeah. Great. It, you know, yeah. from Thursday to Tuesday, probably because there are more days in between, but it really seems some sometimes it's been a, you know, it, it's a long time before we yeah. get back together in the it, studio. It, it does seem like it's taken a bit. Yeah. So, but with all that being said, we do have a, another great show here again, uh, featuring Mike Adams, uh, the Health Ranger, re, you know, with the Health Ranger report. With these irrefutable facts about venom, uh, snake venom, by the way. Yes. Because there yes. is other venom in spiders and such. Uh, right. And snail. Yeah. I forgot about snails right. when they brought that up last podcast. Yeah. yeah. Ants, a lot of ins- bees, mm. a lot of insects have uh, poisonous venom, if you will, that they right. can inject you with. But uh, the snake venom. Very unique, and uh, there's been two that have uh, two snakes that have been highlighted. Don't know if he's mm-hmm. mentioned it yet, so I will not write now. Uh, okay, maybe as he gets going, yeah, uh, we'll we'll mention that. Uh, I, I couldn't help think we, you know, we go through the opening and we do the same, pretty much the same things. Yeah, I try uh, to break it up just a little bit so you know it's not a recording. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is a. Never mind. Well, that would be hard to prove. Yeah. Right? No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> who 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 would want to take the time? Well, it is kind of a recording, unless we're live. You know, it's, uh, it's always kind of a recording. But yeah. you know, you know what I mean. I, hang on a second. <laughs> last last time I checked, yes, I am alive. You have a pulse. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I think I do too. But no, I was thinking. Uh, you know, there's one debatable part of the introduction, and that is, do we actually have an email? That's debatable. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And I you mean, know, I mean, I you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. With, well, I think this. I'm saying it right. I don't think. Uh, I think we've double checked that. No, it's it's yes. I, I have not yet sent a test email to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, May- listeners, uh, you, you can send us uh, even if it's just something to say. Hey, testing, making sure your email works. Maybe that would be we great, could. Maybe you know? we could offer a couple of uh, prizes yeah. or gifts if. Oh boy. For the first email. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, a couple of T-shirts, a couple of caps that uh, that Ooh. are coming. By the way, excellent. Uh, so excellent. Yeah, we could we'll, do that. We could do that. Yeah. Let's bait the hook a bit and and okay. see. I don't know. I don't. But anyway, that was one of the things I thought we we continued to say that, and I did specifically. I checked. I said, well, let me just check the email. Hmm. Okay. And you know, we, now we have got, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have got. Some responses, but uh, the responses that we got through our email are ones that 
are trying to bait us into no. something to oh, you, you to got, purchase uh, or well, let's just say we're, we're being we're being hit with scammers. Did we inherit any money from Nigeria by any chance? I you know that's one. I, it's not in my account. Oh, okay, okay. I was just yeah. curious because you know I've been offered inheritance from Nigeria before a couple times, uh, so I, uh, I just thought I'd ask that one. Nope. Okay. Not there. Anyway. <laughs> Well, let's let's get back into this. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to come up with something and, and actually officially maybe do that in one podcast. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we have like seven more irrefutable facts to go through here. We're gonna, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Mike Adams is leading us here. So, uh, well, that's a good number too, by the way, because we were talking about that after one podcast, the number seven. Yes, or maybe it was on a podcast. Yeah. A, number, number of completion. Number of completion. I like so I like the fact that we have seven more. We've got seven yeah. more. So excellent. All right. Well, without any further delay, we will get straight into this, and uh, uh, the next voice you hear will be Mike Adams. All right. Point number six. Pharma is hiding the venom origins of their products making no disclosures on their marketing websites about the actual origin. You have to read the insert sheets and you have to understand Latin names to know that their drugs even come from animal venom. So, for example, take the Prealt drug. If you go to the Prealt.com website, P-R-I-A-L-T.com, which is kind of interesting, go there. Oh, you know what? In fact, bring up that site while I'm talking here. Let me show you something. Oh, yeah. Prealt.com. Okay, we're overlapping just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I'll gotcha. probably change it after this recording. But the very first image that comes up, it shows a kind of an elderly white woman with gray hair and a black woman with a bit of a fro, both, you know, a little bit on the older side, sitting in a chair. Scroll down just a little bit, and you're going to find like a weird skeleton, pale white toy soldier thing just to the right of the black lady's rear. Ooh. There's a little crazy, it looks like a little demon soldier. There's like a skeleton soldier, kind of green. What is that? Why is that in this picture? I just, I noticed that today. Like, is that, it doesn't even look like it belongs there. Why is that in the scene? I don't know. Does that have something to do with the magical cone snail? Like, do you start hallucinating skeleton soldiers with weird, funny hats and pale white skin or something after you take this drug? What's going on? And remember, one of the side effects is you start hallucinating and seeing things that aren't there. So when I saw this, mm-hmm. you know, I had to make sure, like, <laughs> is, is this really there? <laughs> what is this thing? No, seriously, check it out. You're going to be blown away. It's crazy. Oh, my. So anyway, if, if you look on their entire website, you can't find any mention of, of snail venom, magical snails, nothing like that. They, they don't talk about that. Oh, that's from a company called Terra, Terra Therapeutics. Hmm. Terra, ter, sorry, it's just like like terrors. It's like you take you take the cone snail drug and you start having hallucinations. It's kind of a psychiatric terror, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that means like Earth, like Terra Sarah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means. Like interesting hmm. name, like horrible yeah. serum or something. Terra. Yeah, terror serum, I think, means horrible serum. 
It, that's my guess of what that means, but yeah. that's just my interpretation. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and, and and by the way, just for the record, I'm not saying that this drug doesn't have a place. This might be a perfectly great option for people in chronic pain who can't take opioids. This might be the thing that actually improves their quality of life. Seriously, I, I'm not I'm not dissing the Terracera company. I'm just pointing out this comes from snail venom. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. But I can see cases. Uh, even veterans and injured, you know, warriors that are in chronic pain and they need some kind of treatment, this might be a miracle for, for that person, right? So it may have a place. I'm just saying it's magical snail venom. All right, let's see. Um, mm. Oh, and they don't tell you on, on their website. They don't say anything about the magical snails because that might seem strange, you know, especially if the doctor were, were prescribing this to the patient is like doc doc you know my leg still hurts and I, the opioids are too addictive what can you give me and the doctor says well have you tried magical snail venom and the patient would be like, what what Not are you talking yet. about yes yes uh these magical snails they may cause you to hallucinate but you'll feel much better would you like to try that you know that's why, not part of the conversation why certainly <laughs> unfortunately because that would be very entertaining Okay, point number eight. Are we on eight? Oh, seven. 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 No, dude. no, I'm sorry. Point number seven. Seven, right. Mike. There we go. <laughs> Nearly zero doctors or patients know about the venom origins of venom-derived medications. Zero. That would be Thus, one. Thus, patients are swallowing, or sometimes being injected, with actual reptile venom molecules, but they're not being told by their doctors that it's venom. They're just, they just say it's medication. Here, take this medication. FDA approved. Hmm. They don't say, oh, and it's rattlesnake venom or pit vipers or whatever, or death stalker scorpion venom. You know, they don't tell people that might make people think twice. <laughs> Why are you treating me with venom? Might make people think about, hey, maybe yeah, making some lifestyle changes so you don't need the venom forever. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to just pause it. It just st struck me that years ago, and well, it's not such a. a a raise now, raise, is that like you know a fad, if you will, right, sort right. of a fad. But this was a okay. you know a popular thing to do in the seventies was to drop, let's say drop or take LSD, mm -hmm. which was spiked, if you will, using that word, <laughs> right, with strychnine, hmm. okay. which is poison, mm -hmm. and you had to use just so much into that to really get some good hallucinations going to bring you, you know, to a certain point. Just right. found it interesting that he's talking about hallucinations. He's talking about things for pain, things to really take your mind off of whatever your condition is, right? And thinking that that is a replacement for an addictive opioid when there were people that really, not in such a way as, as heroin or something like that, but there were guys and gals that just could not get away from the LSD. They just kept craving, you know, they, they, right. that experience. Oh, we've got to do it every weekend or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it just struck me that it, it, it is a poison. Yeah. Which was strychnine and, they were using back then, uh, and I was I was just thinking, like how uh, I can't think of the right word, but basically like 
doesn't it almost seem like you have a conflict of interest putting a toxin into your body to alleviate pain or to make you feel better in any way? Yeah. It just, it almost seems like a conflict of interest. Yes. And it kind of is. But at the same point, I can maybe kind of see because maybe because we've already heard uh, from with some snake venoms or other venoms, uh, they block certain neurotransmitters or different things like that. So if it's mm-hmm. blocking pain transmitters, you still have the pain, but it's technically blocking those receptors. So right. you're not your body isn't registering that pain. So I guess it can be effective, but yet it's still a poison. It's counterproductive to your body. Right. So and going back to some of our comments about maybe finding all natural uh, things, since most of these are derived from nat- now, granted we weren't necessarily meaning venom at that point, right? Which is a natural thing, but like you know, to find those natural remedies to to assist your body in a natural way instead of putting a poison in there to overcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just found that kind of interesting. Well, it is. A, it's a serious conflict of interest. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, in some ways, I think it goes all the way back to, you know, you, you think of even some of the old movies many years ago, you know, anything that was going, had anything to do with cutting somebody operations, mm-hmm. you know, let's take a bullet out of this guy. You know, I'm just thinking about the old Westerns. Okay. It was right. always give him a shot of liquor. You know, okay. Right, right. Which is a toxin. <laughs> Which is a toxin, yes, yeah. yes. So it's it's a conflict of, yeah, but, I see but it's like saying. it's like you know what? I'll risk the addictive uh, 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 abilities of this mm-hmm. particular drug, you know, liquor, or whatever, over how I'm feeling. I I, I will right. I will take that risk. Well, I, I and I might be misquoting it exactly. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I was just finding it interesting because I, I know that. Most uh, drugs are somewhat harmful for your body in some way anyway uh, because it's not natural. But I, I didn't necessarily correlate it to to poison. Whereas in one of the podcasts, I forget the term, pharma meant, he even said back in the day, pharma meant, was it venom? Well, it was or, ph- pharmacia or, was the or word was that, that or, meant uh, f- f- pharmacy. Pharmacy, right? Okay, or or uh, I, and I'm trying to think of the proper word, and I can't. Yeah, he said it on it. one podcast. The, whoever we're listening to, yeah, well, I think that. I think that was Brian. Arnes. It was related to poison or yeah. something like that. So I was like, right. okay, well, that's interesting because then basically all drugs are some sort of poison, but you know, but the natural form is technically good for you. It's not. It's not a poison. No, it's in been, most cases there may be some that are poisons that yeah. That's right. Right. The natural has been tweaked. Yeah. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, primed up and basically corrupted by a certain amount of poison. Yeah. You know. Okay. So, I just found it interesting. Yeah. I I hear you. All right. Back to you, Mike. If your health is so bad that you're down to the venom option, you it might cause people to rethink like yeah, maybe I could give up Pop Tarts, you know? Maybe, maybe I could eat healthier and not need the venom forever. Just saying. Okay, point number eight now. 
uh, venom molecules and venom peptides are mass synthesized in pharmaceutical factories. And this is a common practice. It's been going on for decades. Hmm. So this is sourced all over the medical literature. There's no question about it. I even linked to the World Economic Forum article yesterday, uh, weforum.org. And it talks about the venomics, the whole area of studying venom. It's called venomics, you know, like economics, but this is venomics. And, it, you know, it talks about how they mass synthesize using RNA technology. And so don't let anybody tell you that that's not possible. It's been going on for decades. That's not, wow. even, not even difficult, actually, it turns out. Okay, and then point number nine, the venoms which are synthesized are chemically stable. And that's from toxintech.com. Mm. They are chemically stable. It means they don't just automatically dissociate in water. They are chemically stable to be delivered orally, which means they survive saliva and they survive stomach acid, by the way. Oh, wow. Even your stomach acid can't rip these molecules apart. So mm. city water isn't going to rip these apart. So there are some Ooh. scientifically illiterate people out there who have been saying, oh, this is impossible. The venom would fall apart in city water. Eh, well, you know, they just don't know what they're talking about. Maybe, maybe they're taking too much magical cone snail <laughs> venom and they're, maybe they're hallucinating. Who knows? Hallucinating a whole new world of chemistry, Excellent. like transgenderism and chemistry. We self-identify as molecules that dissociate in water. <laughs> and we joined the swimming team, for the women's swimming team. But you get my point. So they're chemically stable. And that, that is one of the features, actually, of these peptides that are celebrated by these companies that license this information. So they don't need any special preservatives either. Interesting. I've seen cases, for example, if you read the uh, administration or how to administer the drug pre-alt, it talks about how there are not preservatives in it. It's basically, I think it's in, um, I think it's in a saline solution for the most part, but I'd have to go back and check the details. But they, I think they, I think they drip it into your IV line. I'd have to, I'd have to check. I don't know if it's an injection or a drip, but well, even they do not use other preservatives for it. Just slow. So the molecules are very stable, and also for any molecule that might tend to fall apart. They have nanocarriers, which are nanoparticle, typically, you know, liposomal type of protective cocoons. And these nanocarriers are uh, documented in, you know, National Library of Medicine, PubMed, peer-reviewed science journals, and so on. I've linked to some of them before. And if you're curious about this, you can just go online and you can search the medical literature for nanocarriers and the word venom or peptides and nanocarriers or nanoparticles or nanoparticle encapsulation. I mean, I was doing research at, the, at my lab on a nanoparticle encapsulation of a rosemarinic acid from rosemary herb extracts mm. using uh, silver nanoparticles. And that's actually an area of study that is quite well documented. I found a lot of research on that. And there's, there's a lot of fascinating things actually about that. They were using that to deliver a rosemarinic acid, which is an anti-cancer phytochemical specifically to tumors or tu tumor cells so they mm. could target specific types of cells due to the receptors uh, based on the nanoparticle encapsulation that was used. And they could also deliver silver ions because nanoparticle silver has other amazing properties that are used in medical research and therapeutics and so on. So this is not even, this is not controversial at all. Mm-hmm. 
but if someone doesn't know about this, they're just, they just don't know. But it's, it's, this is common stuff. I mean, I've been playing around with this stuff for years. Okay, point number 10, that venoms can be touted by pharmaceutical companies as, quote, naturally occurring. This is interesting because, of course, they are naturally occurring. So if you walk out in the woods and you encounter a bunch of spiders and snakes and hallucinogenic snails and whatever else is out there, you can legitimately say, yeah, it's all naturally occurring. Mm -hmm. Or even poison ivy, right? Poison plants, poison berries, poison mushrooms naturally occurring because mm -hmm. it, it occurs in the natural world. It's just that this label, you know, like, like drugs, they, they could say, well, this drug is derived from naturally occurring molecules. And it, it kind of creates the impression in people's minds that, oh, naturally occurring. <laughs> well, it must be natural, which they think it means, well, it must be healthy. Right. Or it must mm -hmm. be safe. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I hate to break it to you, but there's a lot of naturally occurring mm, poisons, poisons and toxins and deadly things that you shouldn't consume like yes. mushrooms that destroy your liver mm -hmm. you know you hear these stories every once in a while in the media it's like you know california couple dies after making homemade spaghetti with wild mushrooms that they thought were safe and it turns out they were liver destroying mushrooms because they contain horrific mycotoxins you know hepatotoxins wow. and you, you've seen those stories right like if you go out and harvest wild mushrooms that can kill you in a couple of hours. So don't don't make your own homemade mushroom sauce from wild mushrooms unless you know what you're harvesting. Yeah, I was going to say, unless you but know the mushroom. Yeah, you absolutely. could say, well, this mushroom sauce is all naturally occurring. Yeah, but it's going to kill you. So just beware of the label yeah. naturally occurring. There's a lot of freaky stuff that's naturally occurring, mm -hmm. especially in the oceans. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but when I was uh, scuba diving off the coast of Australia a couple of decades ago, on the Great Barrier Reef, I was like, what, 20 meters down? Because that was the limit. You know, I was licensed to go down 20 meters. I was down there. <laughs> For whatever reason, I just wanted to go to the limit of, you know, that's just my personality. But it's like, here I am. I'm looking up. It's like 60 feet of water, roughly. And then the, I look up, there's a giant swordfish. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like hovering by this massive outcropping of this rock. And I'm looking at all of these the, the sea anemones and all kinds of creatures and fish and everything. And I had a little freak out moment. I was like, oh my gosh, everything down here is trying to kill something else, which is, <laughs> you know, the web me. of life uh -huh. in aquatic ecosystems. You're like, all these creatures can kill, basically. I mean, most of them, maybe not, maybe not the sea grass and everything, but they're just using photosynthesis. But you didn't have a lot of that at that depth. You know, they were closer to the surface where there's more light, obviously. The deeper you go, the more deadly everything gets because everybody's got to kill down there. I mean, the fish and, you know, the creatures, they got to kill to survive because they don't have free energy from the sunlight up near the surface. You go deeper, the creatures get freakier. It's a whole new world. But hey, there. it's all naturally mm -hmm. occurring, right? Including the stingrays that mm -hmm. killed Steve. What, what was his name? I'm sorry, I forgot his name. The Australian guy. Yeah. You know, the beloved animal guy, Steve. Ah, Irwin. I forgot his name. Yeah. Th Is it Irwin? Steve Irwin. Okay. Uh, Point number 11, venoms, I already mentioned venoms can be weaponized, but they can also be mass produced and then they can be distributed via air, water, food, or contact mm. surfaces, or, you know, even creams, lotions, whatever. They can even be engineered into GMO food, technically. Interesting. So 
when when people have reacted to Dr. Artis and said, oh, that's not possible. Uh, oh, yeah, it is. It's like it couldn't be in the water. Oh, yes, it could. That's totally plausible, actually, it turns out. Th these peptides can be put into basically everything. You know, plausibly, I'm not saying that they are in everything, but they could be they put could into be. anything. Right. Almost anything. You know, you they could be, I mean, they could be put into the like clothing that you buy, you know, theoretically, and then you wear the clothes and you start to sweat and then you start to absorb contact poisons. You know, I mean, uh -huh. gosh, you've seen it in the movies. It's not all science fiction. There are contact poisons that kill people. You know, little CIA killer poisons. Somebody tries to open their car door. And then, you know, their heart stops beating. Well, it was a contact poison. Mm -hmm. well, what are those made from? Concentrated venoms, it natural, turns out. Yeah, natural I mean, occurring. Look, people in the CIA and the deep state and spies and everything, they know yeah. all about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Venoms and radiological weapons to slowly poison people to death with, you know, radioisotopes and all kinds of things. They're experts in killing people. They know that venoms can be put into almost anything. You know, you can put it in people's food, put it in wine put it in the water supply sure you could put it in food put it in the the air ducts at a public event which may have already happened for all we know so a lot of people getting sick at certain public events this is true could be venom exposure could be toxic mold could be uh, who knows i mean there's all kinds of things that people could aerosolize uh, what would happen if you aerosolize you know some crazy like pit viper vent or how about the magical cone snail and you aerosolize he, that he and, likes and that throw one. it into the vents, you know, in some hotel conference or something, and everybody start hallucinating like crazy. That's not far-fetched, folks. That's exactly the kind of thing that a terrorist would do. I mean, the mainstream science uh, publications are already talking about putting vaccines into grocery vegetables. Well, what if what, what? if you... What if you did that to just talking uh -huh. about you know being able being able to distribute it as some sort of a bioweapon, right? You know to get just extreme hallucinations to where you just were not functional. Uh huh. To I don't know something or some group of people like the United States Army mm. or the United States Marines. Interesting. Or yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, let's disable these people to now let's attack. I mean, you know, just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It could, could you know? Yeah. When you see these things, you you can't help think there's always someone that wants to use them nefariously or you know, in in a in a way that is evil. And well, yeah, exactly. And personally destructive. Mm -hmm. So you just can't help think that way. And I, I think that's what he's saying. Just think of all the different ways this could be used. Mm -hmm. That's really what he's saying. Not right, that right. all of these ways are, are being used. used but, right, the, yeah. but you, in this day and time, I can tell you as a serious rock tumbler, there's not much that I trust as far as information goes these days. Yeah, and it's it. It just reminds me going back to the military a little bit. It's trust and verify. Mm -hmm. Okay, should I trust it? Well, not without verification. 
Right. Not without documentation, not without proof that what is being said is actually true. And we do yeah, that anyway. Yeah. We do it on on facts and we do it on things like this. And and I like Mike comes out and he, he clearly says this isn't necessarily happening. But he's done enough research and and being a biochemist himself, he gives us information that causes us to go, Oh wow, this could be done this way. Yeah. And then knowing that it could be, you've got then you've got even more technical or detailed information coming from someone like Dr. Brian Artis, and he says some of these things, and you go, "Well, based on what I've heard, this is possible." You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it, it just uh, it, very interesting. So let's continue. Engineering them in so you could just eat your vaccines by eating your vegetables. They think it's great. They love that idea. They're not even trying to hide it. They're just openly talking about it. Well, if you can engineer so-called vaccines, which would be proteins that are the antigen targets, that's the whole point of vaccines is to expose your body to antigens, which are targets for your body to produce antibodies, right? Well, if they can engineer that into food, they could engineer freaking, you know, pit viper venom peptides into your salads or something. That's that's not far-fetched at all. And I, I'm just shocked that there are still people out there who think, oh, it's impossible. You know, no, it isn't. You need to get up to speed on the science. It's not, it's not only plausible. This is being celebrated in terms of distributing vaccines. Or have you even, do you know about GMOs, folks? I mean, what about GMO corn? You know that GMO corn is, Engineered to create a type. Is GMO corn actually science? Uh, I think so. Science. Ah, I think it is. Oh, while we have it stopped, I did have a comment. <laughs> I, I found it rather disturbing that they. I think he said that they're looking at trying to do vaccines in like food. Yes. Um, but where's the consent? there see because now you're giving people medical stuff without their consent yeah. at all yeah i mean now, or, the, now or, the evil people if it was the the venom and it's evil people trying to get venom they're not going to care about your consent anyway you know but yeah. but for for vaccines for any medical thing you're supposed mm-hmm. to have consent right you, you can't just i well, mean they can but the, yeah you know if some yeah that's going to go over real well once somebody figures out what they're doing. Yes, and the key part of that is, is yeah. they always use the the word informed consent. That t- yes, informed it's consent. It's not just Correct. go ahead and do it. It's it's well what's in it? Yeah. yeah. What could happen? What, you know, that's well, if it's just there, what what would you hear? Well, it's just an apple. Right. Oh. Is it the same kind of apple that Eve bit into? But that caused some serious problems there. Yeah. 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 Good point. All right. All right. Science. Toxin in the corn. The toxin that kills one of the major corn pests. You know that, right? It's not just Roundup resistant like you have in, in other GMO crops, you know, like, like GMO soy. That's Roundup ready. But GMO corn actually creates a toxin. It grows the toxin in every kernel of corn. And when bugs eat it, they die. So what happens when you eat it? (laughs) Right? It's a toxin. 
you're eating toxins all day long when you're eating non-organic corn, mm. which is most of the corn. How about corn? This is shocking to me. People say, there's no way they could put venom into foods. Uh, they already did it. It's been going on for decades. <laughs> Catch up, people. Catch up. You're so far behind. It's embarrassing. How about corn whiskey? Yeah. Toxic. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I bet you that stuff would kill some insects. You could light that stuff on fire. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And as a side note, what's really funny to me is, you know, a couple of people out there are people who who cover so many kind of out there topics and they're like, you know, time travel is real and all of world history has been faked and the aliens transferred technology, but it's impossible to put toxins in food. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Maybe you need to kind of recalibrate your understanding (laughs) of what is possible because that's ancient technology on Earth putting toxins in foods that's been around a long time well technically maybe not ancient but let's say ancient in in the biosciences i mean it's decades i guess that's kind of ancient in biosciences okay yeah moving on point number 12 some toxins are skin penetrating and can be absorbed merely by touching them Uh, mm -hmm. so this gets down to the definition of what is a venom versus a toxin or a poison so a venom by definition, is something that must be injected through either a hypodermic needle, i.e. vaccines, or through the fangs of a snake, or dripped into your blood, you know, in the hospital, oh, we're going to treat you for COVID, here, have this, drippity drip drip, suddenly your kidneys are destroyed, Uh. your lungs are filled with fluid, and you died, quote, from COVID. Mm. They're just dripping toxins in your blood. So anyway, that's, those are called venoms. And then there are other toxins that are non-venoms, and they're called toxins or poisons, and they can be absorbed through the skin. So there's Mm. lots of poisons that can go right through the skin, of course. And, you know, lots of examples out in nature, things that you touch, and then suddenly, you know, you've got a skin rash. But there are a lot of uh, examples out in nature of things that you touch goes through your skin and causes problems. So these poisons or toxins can theoretically be weaponized and distributed onto contact surfaces. Now, remember that Peter Dayzak at the EcoHealth Alliance, uh. which is involved in the SARS-CoV-2 gain-of-function research, they had a proposal to DARPA that called for funding from the Pentagon, essentially, to fund the release of, what was it? Oh, hmm, uh, skin-penetrating nanoparticles in the bat caves in China. So they had developed a system to have skin-penetrating nanoparticles with a payload. This was part of the SARS-CoV-2 gain-of-function research. Well, the DARPA said, no, we're not going to fund that. But in that proposal, which is now public, you can, you can look it up. Just search for the phrase skin-penetrating nanoparticles, uh, EcoHealth Alliance, DARPA, you'll find mm-hmm. it. And... That proves that they had already created this in a way that's skin penetrating. Wow. Now, for things to penetrate your skin, they typically need to be small on a molecular level, small number of Daltons, let's say, maybe a, you know, a few hundred Daltons or something like that. But also some of the chemical properties and the polarity of the molecules matter on whether your skin can absorb it and so on. But very small molecules would be things like uh, glyphosate, 
Glyphosate is a very tiny molecule and it penetrates everything. This is what we found in our lab. It just goes right through the chromatography columns that normally retain a lot of other chemicals. But uh, glyphosate just slides right through. So glyphosate penetrates everything in your body. And you get glyphosate exposure on your skin, it's in your blood, That's boom, in no up, time. Right? So there's one example. But venoms are very large molecules, and some of them are uh, tens of thousands of Daltons. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, big chunks of molecules, very complex molecules with some interesting symmetry, by the way. And as a result, these very, very large molecules, typically from venoms, they cannot penetrate your skin. So if you were to, let's say, take rattlesnake venom and just drop it on your skin, now I'm not saying you should do this, but if you did, it would have no effect. But if you were to drop it, you know, if you're crazy and you dropped it into like your eye or a cut Ooh. on your skin or something like that, uh, it would start to destroy tissue because mm -hmm. once it gets in, obviously it, it causes tissue necrosis through a variety of mechanisms, you know, Different venoms work in different ways, but they can't, they can't do it on your skin. So understand that if something is a venom, it has to be injected, which is what vaccine needles are for, mm -hmm. <laughs> among other things. But if it's a poison or a toxin, it can be absorbed through your skin. So understand, typically, the reptilian venoms uh, cannot be absorbed through the skin. They have to be injected. Otherwise, and this is actually good news because otherwise, you know, the globalists who are trying to achieve global depopulation, they could just aerosolize all the venoms everywhere and just let everybody get, pick them up through their skin and it would be over. So they have to convince people to line up and be injected in order to get the venoms into their blood supply. And so that's, that's why we have all the, you know, media fear campaigns and all the lies about the vaccines are safe and effective. Of course, they're not. Of course, I mean, it's total, total fraud on humanity. But they need to have access to your subcutaneous uh, injection sites, you know, in order to put toxins, poisons, or venoms under your skin. Well, mm. venoms in particular. So that's why they had to get people to line up and agree to take the vaccines. Okay, point number 13 which I kind of mentioned this already, but is, well, I'll just say, so the venom peptides produced for big pharma are easily stabilized for delivery via water or saline solutions or oral medications. And as I mentioned earlier, they do survive stomach acid. So again, the main point here is that there are multiple vectors of delivery for uh, venom peptides or let's, let's use toxins which is, encompasses more things. So toxin or toxic peptides, toxic proteins, they could be introduced into lots of different systems and they could be rather easily uh, stabilized and absorbed through water, through food, you know, through beverages, through creams and cosmetics, through, mm. you know, mm -hmm. frankly, anything. I mean, you could, <laughs> you could soak bandages in venom and then when people put on the bandages on a wound or something, you know, boom, they, they get hit with it. So you got to understand that, that exposing people to venom peptides or toxins is not a difficult thing to do. That's not difficult. There's so many vectors for exposure. Okay. Wow. So, and, and I think that's, I mean, when you look at those, those 13 irrefutable facts, 
you know, we can, you know, the list is wide and broad. Just, I mean, he right there toward the tail end, he mentioned, you know, bandages. You know, you know, I'm thinking of what other things, you know, I mean, my goodness, you yeah. could uh, soak Q-tips in it, you know, stick it in your, you, you know, yeah. you could, you could somehow get it in saline, which people use daily for, you know, contact lenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, could you put it possibly in toothpaste? Uh, I mean, yeah. a hair tonic, hairspray. I mean, think about, you know, now some of it just flat out dermally, and he mentioned the bandages, so it goes over an open wound. Mm-hmm. But to go into, right. an, you know, ear, eyes, right. you exactly. know, whatever. Uh, and also any liquid, any lotion, well, eh, Possibly lotion if you've got a cut. So the idea is that two things that I can think of, right? This could be placed in anything and is a, a bioweapon. It, it's, it's broad as far as many different yeah. things can, you know, can be used as a vector. And also the fact that water was mentioned, that it, withstands even stomach acid. And yeah. if, if you were to swallow it, and this is something that Dr. Brian R. has mentioned, it could possibly be in water. That, that statement, there's actually no proof, let's just say proof yet, that right. that has happened, but it is very possible. There mm-hmm. are some strong <laughs> some suspicions. Uh, and also it's another vector that's mentioned is remdesivir. Mm-hmm. That the way this is being brought into hospitals, the the way that it looks in its containers and so forth and so on, and then it can be injected into patients, and uh, we know what right. the end result is. So, very very interesting from Mike Adams here. Uh, yes, on the, mm-hmm. the Health Ranger report. So, okay, wow. Well, we will continue, ladies and gentlemen, to dig deeper into this uh, this venom aspect of things, and w- there's more to come with not just uh, Mike Adams, uh, Dr. Brian Artis, and uh, some other folks talking about this particular topic here the 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 venom and vaccines. Okay. So, all right. Good. Well, uh, that. Pretty much wraps it up on this episode, Ben. Let's uh, yeah. let's have a word of prayer as we close. Father in heaven, once again, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here on this platform. We thank you that you have provided this for us. You have given us this ability. We thank you again for the information that is out there. We thank you that we have an opportunity to pass this information along to continue to educate all of the listeners out there so that they can make proper decisions on what they want to do with certain aspects of their life, especially when it comes to informed consent on anything. So we pray for each and every listener. We lift them up. May you guard and protect them. May your holy angels be with each and every one. And all of those that are pushing forward and that are more so in the public eye, that are putting truth out, 
and even risking their jobs and in some cases maybe even their lives uh, to do so. Thank you again, and as always, as we part ways, we ask and pray that every intent of our thought be pure, and we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to join us again every Tuesday and Thursday on The Undiluted Truth. And remember, rock tumblers, with all of your might, continue to diligently seek truth. God bless.